Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by the fine folks over at NetHealth. I'm so excited that they have partnered with the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast this year because they are just wonderful. But what do they do? What are they selling? Their product is Redoc, powered by XFIT, which is a cloud-based, fully integrated EMR and billing solution. Plus, you can opt in to completely outsource billing services, which is the best way to optimize your revenue. And if you're a physical therapist, we all want our revenue optimized. So how do you learn more about it? You can learn more about Redoc and complete revenue cycle management services at nethealth.com healthy. So be sure to check them out because they are awesome. And speaking of awesome, my guest today is my good friend of, I don't know, at least 10 years, Bobby Capuccio. So Bobby and I, the backstory on this is we wanted to do this as a Facebook Live and the stupid technology would not work. So we did it over Zoom. If you're listening to this on the podcast, thank you so much. You can also go to my YouTube page or go over to Facebook because we're going to put the whole video up. So as a result, I'm not editing this at all except to put a quick commercial break into the middle. So who's Bobby Capuccio? Um, Bobby has spent the last two decades pushing for both an industry and individual shift in perspective from a solely outward-focused, goal-oriented approach to health and fitness to a more holistic approach that is centered on behavioral change, a phenomenon that has helped Bobby position PTA Global, a company Bobby co-founded, as a leader in the professional fitness and development world. So he's also the former head of training and development at David Barton Gym, former director and professional development of professional development at the National Academy of Sports Medicine, director of coaching at the Institute of Motion, and content curator for PT on the Net. Bobby's reach runs very, very wide. I mean, even my dad know who, knew who he was, which I found fascinating. Um, but he was a sales leadership and cultural development consultant for various companies, including Hilton Hotels, Virgin Active Fitness First, 24-Hour Fitness, David Lloyd Leisure, and many, many small businesses nationally and abroad. A presenter at business and fitness conferences across the globe, and across the globe including Idea, Filix, CamFit Pro, Fit Pro, Pure Fitness Asia, Perform Better, Equinox, Gold's Gyms, Lifetime Family Fitness, countless others. Anyway, I don't want to hold you guys up that much longer because this was a really great conversation. And I thank Bobby so much for his time and patience with this. And we talk about everything from the challenges of his childhood to how every hero's journey is helped and directed by a guide the limitations and potential destructiveness of inward focus, we've all seen that happen, and how to hone in on your originating intention and achieve happiness. So who doesn't want that? So thank you to Bobby Capuccio, and thank you all for listening. You're going to love it. Okay, thanks, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast, and I'm so excited today to be joined by coach, entrepreneur, fitness professional, all-around great person, and my good friend, Bobby Capuccio. So welcome back to the podcast. You were on so long ago. 
Hey, Karen. By the way, I like that last title you gave me better than all the rest of us. Friend. Yes. Old friend. friend. Yes. Um, oh. Um, okay. We can we can compose ourselves now. So obviously, I know you adore you, and a lot of people know you and adore you. But for those who don't, can you tell a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Well, I'm Bobby Capuccio. Well, we've covered that. And I think what I do is I give people the resources to give other people resources to be at their most resourceful in making the decisions that are critical for them to have what they truly want within the domain of wellness. And I define wellness as your self-determined sense of meaning, what you decide for your life. And then the optimization of the physical, emotional, and cognitive faculties, capacity, to, to take that future vision, if you will, and, and bring it into your current reality. So I guess that's kind of like what I do. Yeah, that's a big, that's a big do for people. But now you've obviously not been this sort of inspirational figure your entire life. And if you're comfortable about talking about some of the things that happened in your life that has maybe led you to where you are now. I think the viewers would really appreciate that. So I'll just kind of hand it over to you and, and allow you to kind of tell your story a little bit and we'll take it from there. <clears throat> well, one of the things that I've enjoyed most in my career, aside from being a communicator coach and a presenter is training other presenters, you know, and it, it's kind of like Dr. Roy Sugarman, He's fond of a phrase, you're not the sage on the stage, you're the guide by the side. And I think one of the most valuable tools that a guide has is people have aspirations, but sometimes they have hesitation that meets aspiration, where I, I kind of want to go there, but I cannot really see myself going that distance or that direction. And what a good guide does is, well, they help you go just as far as you can see. Because when you get to that point, you'll be able to see much further, obviously. And one of the things I think that has inspired the presenters that I've developed is the realization that if you could take a look and you knew me where, where I started, that should encourage you. That should make you feel very good about your chances of doing absolutely anything. Um, I, when I first got started in my career, I was lost. Not that I had no idea what I was passionate about, what I was interested in. I started getting an idea, but I didn't know which direction to go because of certain beliefs. Um, I, was, I was basically fighting with the police department. I wanted to be part of the NYPD, and um, I just wanted to be part of special victims. And this is, this is before even like Law and Order came out. I wanted to do that because it was personally meaningful to me, but they were like, Oh, we're not really sure you've got this Tourette's thing and you know, like you know, can't have somebody like with Tourette's and a gun, you know, cause you know, I, I think, you know, there's one political movement in this country that says guns don't kill people, people kill people. But I think you could also say guns don't kill people. Like people kill people, especially if they have Tourette's, that's like a bad situation. So you don't give that person a gun. And so I was contesting this and I stumbled into the fitness industry accidentally because for me it was at first just working out um i was born severely deformed um, i was deformed in my legs and my face was disfigured 
you know, and, and a lot of people watching this right now, they're looking at my face and they're saying, what? no way it yeah. was worse than that. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. But yeah, it was. And <clears throat> I was adopted and the person who adopted, who adopted me, she, <clears throat> I mean, she was developmentally disabled and that that's, that's the truth of it. And her, her husband at the time, he, he had cancer. And he just wanted to go through the adoption process because let's be honest, nobody was lining up to adopt me. So he's like, if we don't adopt this kid, it's, he's going to stay in foster care. And I was already very sick in foster care as an infant from complete and total neglect. Like they just like left me there. Um, I don't know if that had anything to do with my physical appearance. Um, but I know sometimes people who look different are treated different. And I don't know what the reason, but they adopted me straight after you adopted me. He passed away. So you had this woman who's developmentally disabled, jobless, and now she's a single mother. That's a tough situation to be in. And she kind of like had me for three years and then met this guy. And that's where my life changed. He was in every definition, a raging psychopath. So I grew up under very severe abuse. And I'm not talking about physical abuse and punishment, but torture. I'm not going to get into details. There's certain things I'm going to say and allude to, but not say, because there's a point at which I could get too explicit and it's no longer useful for anybody who's listening mm -hmm. to this. So I was tortured severely, as well as physically abused, emotionally tortured, and just you know, around people who, well, someone who used my body however they wanted to. You could take whatever you want from that. And this was like five up until nine. And then around that period, um, I, started to, uh, I started to exhibit weird tics and weird behavior patterns. Uh, weird behavior patterns. Um, <laughs> looking back now, that seems like that's just me. So I, I was diagnosed with Tourette, with Tourette syndrome at Mount Sinai Hospital, put on experimental medication, Haldol, which is not the drug you put a nine-year-old kid on. That's like a last resort antipsychotic med. So between that and the fact that you had about at least half a dozen concussions, according to the last you know, uh, neuroscientist who evaluated me just a couple of months ago, had brain damage. So Tourette's brain damaged and you know physically deformed had big glasses um so not only was there a lot of violence in the home i was a, i was a target for punishment so went outside the home tons of violence and that led me to start to hang out with some very unsavory people kind of like because i would take any group i belonged to mm -hmm. but the group i belonged to they were they were a rough bunch and a very strange bunch at that um so I started developing a belief system very early in life that this is it. There's not much out there for me. You know, even though when I took the police test, I scored 103, I dismissed that. So anything that I did cognitively where you were like, oh, wow, hey, that was pretty good. I dismissed it and rationalized it. And anytime I struggled, well, I just ruminated on that and reinforced whatever, whatever belief system, you know, was fed to me from parents, which wasn't a very encouraging environment. Obviously, it was a deadly environment. I mean, you know, what I wanted to be when I grew up, I thought that if I could be alive, 
by the time I grew up, that was a massive accomplishment. And then you know, I started you know, working in security and I started working in the gym business just for a part-time job. And I stumbled across somebody who saw something in me that nobody else saw. And this individual changed my life. As a matter of fact, I went and actually had, um, had dinner with this guy a couple of months ago. And I remembered what it was like to be around this guy where I almost felt walking away from dinner, I wanted to be a better person. I mean, you know, I wasn't a total asshole showing up, you know, half an asshole, but walking away from dinner, I was like, oh my God, I could do better. This guy had such an impact. He had such expectation. I always wanted to rise to his expectations and never disappoint him. And when I met this guy, my entire life turned around. But and isn't, isn't it amazing how it takes just that one person, that one mentor, that one individual in this whole entire world that you are clearly meant to meet that is going to give you the encouragement and the love and the um the mentorship that you needed and it, i mean you obviously met this person for a reason it was the right time the right place the right person and i think it's also kind of amazing that you're still in touch and that, you know, you're still part of each other's lives. So do you feel like this person was meant to be in your life, even looking back on it now? I don't know. I don't know whether or not people were meant to be in your life. You're meant to cross paths. And, I, I, and, and you know what? I don't think that that's the big issue. The big issue is not who's meant to be. The big issue is pay attention to what's actually occurring. You can attach whatever meaning you want to, to whatever's going on in the moment. You can tell yourself whatever story you want. And, and, and if you're really persuasive, you can even tell yourself a story about your story. So you don't even realize it's a story. And you think that thought so many times with so much intensity, it evolves into a belief and that's just the way life is for you. And that's great if that works. Mm -hmm. But I think the ability to pay attention to what's happening and who's in your life and, and what they're bringing and what you have an opportunity to give in return is critical because, you know, not everybody watching this has suffered through extreme trauma where every day it was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to be like held underwater or I'm going to be suffocated today or held out a window or burned, you know, where, you know, some people have gone through that where it's like every day, well, am I going to be sexually abused, raped today? And that's serious. But for some people, they went through, you know, their parents got divorced and their sense of reality, their identity and their world got completely rocked. And I think, you know, a lot of this stuff is relative. One of the things that I find so annoying is when someone's like, oh, well, you know, you're complaining about this, but, you know, other people have it worse. Mm -hmm. So if, if I'm married to the love of my life and I get divorced, well, I shouldn't feel bad about that at all because other people have never found love. That's not logical. I, I think that is a pain-based emotive reaction that creates a lot of bitterness in people because they don't know how to deal with their stuff. Mm -hmm. well, pain is relative. So whatever you're going through, it, you know, I, I think it, it's, it's yours and it's valid and whatever emotions it evokes, I don't believe in positive and negative emotions. That's the story. Every emotion we have biologically, if we didn't have it, we wouldn't have evolved to this day and age, we wouldn't be here. It's all valuable. I think the matter is, what do you do with it? Now I'm here, now what gets done? 
And you know, that, I think the point we're trying to make, long-winded, is everybody who's gone through something, what gets them out of it is not necessarily pulling themselves up by their own bootstraps, but interacting and formulating and, and, and cultivating continually effective relationships. There's no such thing as a self-made man or woman. No matter how much we celebrate them, it, it is mythological in the sense that they don't exist. Because if you look at the periphery of people's lives, someone always shows up. As a matter of fact, the most important thing you could be in anyone's story is never their hero. Let them be the hero. Like if you read Joseph Campbell's. Just talked about it today, the hero's journey. That was such a great transcript. And you, even if you've not read Campbell, if you've seen anything in cinema, like um, Lord of the Rings, like, or Star Wars, the, the perfect mythological film, it's not the hero who's the most important. It wasn't Frodo who, 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 who was the critical element. It was Gandalf. It was the guide. So the best thing anyone could ever be for you and the most benevolent thing you can ever be for anyone else is not their hero because that robs them from self-accountability they need to heal. But being, the, like Roy says, the guy by the side who, because if you take a look at any hero, what they have in common is even though the quest was so compelling that it was stronger than the reason to stay where they were, they don't want to go. Heroes are usually reluctant heroes, and it's the guy that either inspires or compels or forces them out of their comfort zone. But very soon, what happens? They run into trouble that they can't handle because they're trying to do something they have never done before, which necessitates becoming someone they've never been before, but they're not yet that person. So allies and friends show up along the way, and eventually the, the challenges that they've got to surmount are too big, and they come to the abyss where they're looking right into it. And if you look into the abyss long enough, the abyss stares right back at you. And it's very terrifying. It's very confronting. And you know the only way you're getting across that abyss is if something dies. Either you die literally, sometimes the challenge is that big, or, or a part of your past or a belief or part of you you have to let go of. Yeah. And very often people don't do that. And it's the guide. So hard. You know, yeah. it, it, who inspires you and who gives you that certainty. And once you cross that, you can never go back again because now you are someone different. And in every story, the hero just doesn't come back better. The hero comes back more capable of contributing to the group from whence he, he or she came. So that's a long-winded answer on, you know, I think everybody, the only, the only way out is up. And the only way up is by getting a hand up from the right person at the right time. Absolutely. And, you know, the last two days I had spent in, this two-day event run here in New York City by a man named Chris Winfield. And he sort of is a guide, you know, he brings people together and he brings the right people together and, and kind of knows, he's one of these people who's a little intuitive and just kind of knows maybe who you should meet or, or just exactly that little, like you said, little kick in the ass that maybe you need to get you over that abyss or to at least get you to look into it a little bit deeper and, and try and let go of some of your insecurities. And so for me, he's been sort of that guide. And, you know, my, one of my biggest issues is, and you've known me for a very long time, um, so this should come as no big surprise to you, but one of my biggest issues is always kind of believing in myself and seeing myself the way other people see me. And I remember I met with Chris and he was like, 
before the new year, he was like, you know, it is high time that you start seeing yourself the way other people see you. Because if you don't, then you're just, you're never going to move beyond where you are, you know, and, and you're never going to take the responsibility of sharing all of this great information that you have with other people because your job is to guide them. And I never really thought of it that way. I always thought of it more like, well, who's going to want to listen to me? Can I tell a Karen Litsy story? Yeah, please? yeah, yeah, please. Because it, as, as, as long as it's um, not a bad one. No, no, it's not for you. It's not. But anyway, it, you know, because what I find fascinating and, and, and I, I think personal as well everybody has that stuff like the most the the most fraudulent person in the world is the one who pretends or who has fallen for their own narrative where they think i got my shit together yeah because here you are honestly one of the most brilliant ladies i have ever met in my life giving really switched on connected you're actively contributing building your community and you feel this way because we all feel this way because at some point in our life, something happened where we were explicitly or implicitly told, you're not enough. You will not suffice. And then we develop this strong suit, right? We create this character out of thin air that is going to allow us to never feel that way again. So either I'm going to be like really, really smart or I'm going to be really, really tough or I'm going to be really funny or I'm going to be a total disaster and that gives me a locus of control because then these people will pay attention to me because otherwise I don't get noticed. So it's all this stuff. And I remember I was sitting, we went to a pub one night, right? On the Upper East Side. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know what night we walked in there. It was like, we oh. just a couple of pints. Yeah. So you remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know. They're like, oh, so it's, it's, I think it was a Monday. Yeah. We were really like in a pub on a Monday. Cool. And they're like, that's, that's what happens when you're in your thirties. You go to pubs <laughs> in your, uh, on, on random nights. I thought that's what happens during half hours. But anyway, so we're in this pub like, it's trivia <laughs> night. And we're like, yay. And so they broke into teams and everybody was there with their friends because the more people you have, the more bandwidth mentally you have. Mm-hmm. And it was just me and you. I'm like, oh, we can't get out of this. Let's be a team. Now, there were teams of 5, 10, 15 people. This is very important. And we're going through a whole night, and I am completely useless. I think I got one answer. No. No, I got one answer right. I had a lot of answers. They were all wrong. So I got one, maybe two answers right. I remember this. And then they were tallying it up. And our team came in third. We won third place. Now, we, or you rather, were competing against 10, 15 people that live for trivia night. You just rocked up accidentally. And just the random information you had in your head, you single-handedly took out two-thirds of the ball or more. And this is the person who feels this way, you know? I know. I know. And it's, and I, I, I'm getting better at not feeling that way, but it's difficult, you know? And I think when it comes to, you know, like you said earlier, part of what your kind of zone of genius is, is really helping people kind of stand up. And and I know you work with people with public speaking and things like that. And I remember the first time, I think we even worked on public speaking and I was like a disaster. Like I was the worst at public speaking. I can say that wholeheartedly. 
Well, fast forward, I don't know how many years that it's been now, what, how, I don't know, seven years, eight years. I don't know how old, I don't know how old Liz's oldest child is, but you know, it's been a, a good number of years. Seven. Is he seven? He's my godson. I better know that. Yeah. So it's maybe been eight years, right? Yeah. So I last year was the keynote speaker for a New York City physical therapy student conclave. And I went up and I gave my speech and then people had questions afterwards. And one of the questions was, um, how do you, you know, kind of, how, how do you go up on stage and you're not nervous? And you're, <laughs> you're, and I just looked over, I was like, I am sweating my ass off up here. Like I could not be more nervous. Like I can't believe I haven't passed out yet. Like, of course I'm nervous. You know, it's and not your distorted beliefs. It's distorted beliefs of people who see somebody doing something, yeah. but they're not, they haven't been there throughout that journey. They're not inside of your skin. They have no idea. No idea. And, and Stories I, on both ends. And I, I remember finishing this, the talk off with, um, you know, in, in this day and age of Facebook and, you know, we have Facebook pages, you have like 5,000 people on your page and, and so you look at this content that people put out and it's always that highlight reel, right? No one puts up on Facebook like, oh, my boyfriend just broke up with me today or I had a shitty date or, you know, that's not up on Facebook or I treated four people this week and only one of them came back. Two of them didn't get better. They decided to go somewhere else. It's always, I'm the best PT in the entire world and my patients tell me I'm amazing or, you know, in your case, you know, I coached all these people and they all love me and look how wonderful I am. I would when, never say that. Well, you know, <laughs> in reality, everybody puts on their highlight reel. And so I like to tell people that that's like kind of not what real life is like. You and know, it's, it's irrelevant. Perfect. Yeah. And it, it's, it's irrelevant and nobody's perfect. And if you're trying to emulate someone who you think has this perfect life, like think again, you know? I mean, think about someone who is 30 years old, right? That's fairly young. And if you're a millennial watching this, yes, that's fairly young. But if you took a single snapshot, just a, a, a one second still of any moment, in that person's entire life, they would look either like an absolute hero or an absolute villain. Yet it's kind of like the music between the notes. There's such an abundance in the space in between and it all means nothing because it's none of your business or concern how talented you are it's none of your business how you compare to anybody else. And it's none of your business what right you have to share your message or not. And whether or not people are going to receive that. Because in a lot of senses, these are things beyond your control. And these are things that take your focus and direct them to a very destructive place, which is inward where all those stories and neuroses reside rather than outward where you're needed. The only thing that's your business 
in the words of author um, Otto Sharma, and he wrote the book Theory You, is to keep yourself open. Open mind, open heart, and open will. And if you start doing all of these comparisons and you compare your fabricated snapshot moment in time, not me, but the person who I want to reveal to 5,000 people, you know, 490 of which, like four, like 1,990 of which couldn't care less, really, because they're too worried about their own snapshots to pay attention. And if you're getting caught up in that, you start to develop fear, judgment, mostly self-judgment, mm -hmm. and cynicism. And judgment is the enemy of an open mind, and fear is the enemy of an open heart, and cynicism is the enemy of an open will. And then that channel that can, will connect with the right people, it's not about who accepts me, it's about resonance. And what I mean by resonance, if you were standing in a massive hotel room and it was empty and there were two grand pianos, one at one end and the other on, on the other end of the hall, and you went over to one grand piano and you just hit C note and you walk straight across to the other grand piano, C note on that other piano would be vibrating because there's resonance between those two pianos. And that's what I mean. You don't get to choose who resonates. All you're responsible for is doing what you do, doing what is personally meaningful and doing it with reckless abandon and being completely invested in who you're doing it for and why you're doing it, but at the same time, being completely unattached from the outcome. That's power. And when you have power, you no longer need to go through your life utilizing force. But that's so hard. Like, what advice? I mean, the comparison thing is difficult. Okay, mm -hmm. let's be honest. We're all human, right? We're all going to look at something that someone else is doing and be like, oh, am I doing that? Or should I be doing this better if they're doing this? So, what advice do you have um, specifically on the comparison to others? Because I do agree that it, it does cause judgment, mostly judge, judgment of ourselves. And that judgment can obviously be very toxic and spiral us down into this depression death spiral that nobody wants to be in. So That's what's that? Spiraling it's, down into a dep depression death spiral. Yeah, it's the worst, right? So It's a predicament, yeah. It is a predicament. So do you have any advice for people where if they start getting into that comparison mindset how do we get out of it okay here's a couple of things one no it, 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 it's not easy but nothing easy is sustainable because nothing easy is enjoyable see I, I think we get so confused with words and it seems that when something is hard it's going to be painful and yes there's elements of that you know if you're learning how to play tennis I'm talking about tennis um, I am learning how to play tennis really yeah I just started like a couple weeks ago I think I, I, I want to start but every like every time I saw first of all, I was never that into it and I was like so bad I remember like every time I want to play tennis people like no no play you can't be that bad and then I when I do make contact with the ball which is not often it's gone it go and they're like all right off the court so yeah but in tennis or anything I'm just using this as a random example when you are playing against someone who is so much worse than you, it's easy, but it's tedious, mm -hmm. and that's painful. 
when you're playing against someone who's just a little bit better than you, is there difficulty there? Yes, there's difficulty there. Is there struggle there? Yes. But on the other end of that is complete and total focus and concentration and engagement, which are all required for a state of flow. And when you come out of that match, you realize after the fact that you were, even though you were struggling and you were challenged, it was exhilarating and you had a deep sense of enjoyment. Now, what's the difference between struggling and having enjoyment and struggling and being overcome by a sense of frustration? I think one is how much challenge you take on. If you're here and you take this on, well, that's not a good strategy. But if you keep yourself right underneath the lip of your current potential, that creates enjoyment through engagement. And I, I think so. One, don't think about how you view hard versus easy, and just, and it's not synonymous with torture versus enjoyment. Second, I'm gonna I'm gonna like share the advice that I got from a good friend of mine uh, and someone who I worked with, someone I have a lot of respect for because you know I was talking about him earlier, and he was the CEO that I worked with. And he was a CEO that did not believe in mission statements per se. Now, could you imagine a CEO who doesn't believe in mission statements? I know. Doesn't, doesn't laminate anything. I mean, there's no phrases that people have to remember. There's no like laminated cards to keep in your wallet. You know, like, I, like don't you go to retreats and like read a book over the weekend? But he believed that a mission statement was kind of a game that people and companies play. And the reason for this, and I agree, is because mission statements always start off with a certain reference to I or we. And then we kind of try to weave other people into it to get them on board and inspired. But the purpose of this company is that we or our company, our mission, and it's all about us, where he believed that was something that was a lot more visceral and externally focused, which is a critical element of transcending anything, I believe, was something called an originating intention. Originating intentions start out quite antithetical to mission statements. They start out with you, because the person who is living immersed in their originating intention is completely focused outside of himself or herself on the person that they are serving. So that you is a universal you to every you that you come in contact with, if that still makes sense. Yes. And he was once asked, well, what is your personal definition of an originating intention? Is it just simply the meaning you have for your life? He said, no, no, it goes deeper than that. It is on a, a deep, visceral, almost like spiritual level what you hold most sacred in your life. And you hold this so sacred. And and here's how you can tell the difference between a marketing statement disguised as a mission statement and something that's really sacred. You want it for everybody. You don't just want it from people who buy from you or in your family. 
You don't want it for people who look like you, think like you, belong to the same political party as you, live in the same area as you. You want this universally for everybody in the world because it has so touched your life. And I think everybody had, you know, because if you ask somebody, well, what's the meaning of your life? You know, I had a, um, a group I was speaking to in San Diego a couple of weeks ago. So I was like, I, I didn't find my passion yet. Is there anything wrong with me? No, nothing's wrong with you. The only thing that's wrong with you is you have all these self-help gurus going around saying, well, there's something wrong with you if you don't know what your passion is. You gotta find your passion and live it. You know what, screw that. Why don't you find your curiosity? We might not know what our passion is, but we all have curiosities. I mean, well, some of us know. You know some, people, some people die at age like 25. They just don't get around to being buried until like 85. They've lost their curiosity, but most people have curiosities and most people have things that are sacred to them and start there. And if it's affected you, what would it be like if you were that catalyst, that filter through which that experience flowed through so other two people can have what you have? And I think when you get there, you don't become the centerpiece and you can really step over to the side and take on the role of the guide. And then you can ask yourself, well, because you're, you're living either that originating intention or you're living in the void of it. So there's, there's you who's the best version of yourself, who's that originating intention. And then there's this void over here because your originating intention, it's the real you. So when you're not that, which is your true self, what's left is a void. And the void gets into some very destructive behaviors. The void does things and says things where you're like, why do I do this? I have all this power, yet I behave like this in spite of my power. The void is the person who gets into your head. It's like, oh my God, you know, like I doubt myself. Should I really be doing this? Um, and a lot of times there's no alternative. So when you're really clear on the originating intention, you can step out in micro doses, dosages, easy for me to say, you know, you work in the medical field and it's like, well, should I take this? Is this good or bad? Well, define good or bad for what reason? And it's about dose response. If I don't take enough, it's not efficacious. If I take too much, well, what was good for me is now very harmful for me. So how can I you know, not step on the grand stage of the world, not how do I you know, have as many Facebook followers as Gary Vee, you know? How do I, with one person today, the person most proximal to me, the person who is most meaningful to me, how do I help them experience what I find most sacred? And you see people like this all the time, the newly converted, the person who smoked, for 20 years, and everybody told them you gotta quit smoking, and they resisted and resisted, right? Because what gets insisted gets resisted, and then through their own autonomy, they had an event or a realization come into their life, like, I'm gonna quit smoking. A year later, they have never felt better, and that is sacred, and they feel like, I'm gonna be around maybe for my kids, and they go out and they evangelize, telling everyone not to smoke. Like they even tell fitness people who've never picked up a cigarette not to, it's like, okay, I get it, I get it. Like, oh my God, I have so much energy. It's like, well, because you're kind of dreaming it from everybody else. Like we know, but that's what having an originating intention does for you. It's no longer about you and it's one person at a time. And on that note, we're gonna take a quick 30 second break, but when we come back, we're gonna hear what Bobby's originating intention is. So stay tuned. 
PTs, what do you hope to accomplish in 2018? I bet providing even better patient care and increasing revenue are top on the list. First, expand your visit capacity. Then get paid for your services, ramp up patient engagement, and eliminate worries about documentation and compliance. The good news is there's one solution that brings it all to the table. Redoc, powered by XFIT, is a cloud-based, fully integrated EMR and billing solution. Imagine PT billing, coding, compliance experts taking the back office work off your hands and reporting to you. Learn more about Redoc and complete revenue cycle management services at nethealth.com slash healthy. Do you have an originating intention and can you verbalize that? Like, can you give an example? Because I know people are going to be like, well, do you have an example of that? Yes, I do have an example. My originating intention, and it has evolved and shifted over time, is that you can live your truth and be free to play. And it's very succinct because it starts with you because it's not about me. It takes my focus out of my head and directs me to the person right in front of me, whoever that might be in whatever number. And I believe that there is a truth that you know. And we're told constantly, well, you're not enough, or you're doing it wrong, or you, know, you go on social media and said, you want it? Get off your ass and work for it. And that's the meme. I look at those and I say, wow, how does the world occur to that person? Who are people for the person who wrote that? And who do they think they are in comparison? Because obviously, they possess the attributes that, that this unnamed person lacks I'm like, that's self-flattery. That is complete self-flattery disguised as self-help. And self-flattery is never rooted in self-assurance. That's a very insecure, inadequate feeling person who wrote that. And it's not encouraging. So get off of that. It's about the person in front of you. And it it also, it, it deals with, you don't have to live by anyone else's values. Because one, If you try to subject your highest priority, what is most meaningful, to a lower level value, a supporting value, and that supporting value has to come at the expense of what matters most, you're going to engage in a lifelong battle against yourself, and that is a battle you will always lose. And along the way, you're going to feel, what's wrong with me? Why am I so broken? And you're not broken. And because you're not broken, you don't need fixing. You just need to get really clear and really honest about what you value. What is your truth and live that? Because when behaviors and values align, that's when passion, discipline, willpower, perseverance, all the attributes we associate with success occur automatically. You don't have to motivate someone to go on their dream vacation, even though there's a a lot of money, a lot of work, and a lot of planning involved in that. You don't have to motivate someone to wake up the fifth time in a night when four times before their newborn woke up screaming and crying. They're not having fun. That's not a point where they're interacting with that baby in play, but they still wake up and they still minister to that baby. They have unrelenting discipline and perseverance and and, an emotional and energetic reserve, even in times of suffering, because of the meaning that baby represents, the value that baby supports. They are aligned 
So what people lack is not discipline, willpower, character, or strength. What people lack is alignment. And that alignment is, is the precursor to decision. And once you live your truth, then you're free to play. People are like, play, that's frivolous. No, play is the medium of intellect that channels creativity in a way that created the technology that allowed us to talk to each other and all of you. Play is the medium that when I go to speak, you know, the next place I'm going to go speak is San Diego, then Vietnam. How am I going to get there? Through mediums of play. Okay, because somebody had to engage in adult play long enough to create an airplane. Somebody had to create that train. So everything that we enjoy in the modern world is a result of an adult playing and putting foundations under play and channels for which to direct play. And not only are you most productive in those moments, but I believe you're most happy in those moments because the pursuit of happiness only makes it more elusive. Nobody who pursues happiness ever catches up with it. I think Viktor Frankl says, book Man's Search for Me, that you know, success like happiness cannot be pursued. It must ensue as an unintended side effect of one's personal dedication to a cause greater than oneself. And, and, and that's it. You, know, you, don't, you don't chase happiness, you attract it. And so for me, you can live your truth and be free to play is the highest intention I could ever hold for someone. And do you see how there's no conditions there? Mm -hmm. It's not you can live your truth and be free to play if you get your ass off the couch. <clears throat> if you discipline it, if you Cap deserve there's, there's it. There's a caveat to that. Yeah, there's no caveat. Yeah. It, it's something that you want without condition and, and without limit. Whoever comes within my circle of influence, I want that. And I think that's that's lovely and I think it's powerful. And now I, you have me sitting here thinking, well gosh, what's my originating intention? And I need to think on that and, um, and figure out how I can incorporate that into what I do on a daily basis and my thinking on a daily basis, because then I think it will only help me when it comes to treating patients and to interacting with friends and, you know, uh, colleagues and family and everything else. So, um, I think what, what I would like to see and what my call to action is to, for all the listeners is to think about what your originating intention might be. And then I know I would love to hear what they are. I'm sure Bobby would like I would, to I would love to hear that because if people want to hear it, you're more likely to engage in it. Yeah. So I, I, would, I would love to see what comes out of this. Yeah, me too. One, one, one shift I would make in that is don't think about it. Feel it. This is where it doesn't matter what you think. Because thinking is- I'm a is thinker, Bobby. You know I'm it's, an overthinker. That's why it's critical you don't think about this because when I first started learning to do this and I wrote my originating intention, it was about all this stuff. And then my coach, he is very talented. He looked at me in a room full of people. He's like, that's not it. It's like, what do you mean it's not it? He's like, you ready for your originating intention? You can be free to play. I was like, no, that's not it. And somebody, I was like, it hit me. You know when it, it was like, that's it. And he's like, that is completely who you are. 
So don't tell me a story. That's, I was like, how did you know? He's like, I've been paying attention. Don't think about this. Feel it. What's sacred to me that I would want everyone to have this, this feeling, this experience of the world without condition, right? No condition. Because otherwise, you, you, start, you start imposing certain dogmas and beliefs on people. No, it's without condition. And just write it. Write how it feels. And, and this is fun. Write it down 20 times. And when you keep writing it, you can. You can. And all of a sudden, you get to like, I don't know, item 17. It doesn't have to be item 17. And you feel an emotional shift. And you feel moved. And, 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 and this conjures something up in you. You know, you might even get teary-eyed, as cheesy as that sounds. That's it. That's the point you want to get to. Because that's what's real. That's your body telling you, this is visceral. This is deep. This is you. This resonates. You know, you want to feel that it's right, not think it's right. Um, I am going to, I said, I said that is some, some heavy think, I mean, not thinking, feeling. I, I am going to, I'm going to feel on this. And I'm just going to journal on this and we'll see what comes out. And I will, when I feel like I have something that resonates with me, I will gladly share it with the world. Mm -hmm. um, maybe I'll share it with you first, just to ask if, if, is this right or is this not right? Because, you know, I have to always be right. No, I'm just kidding. Um, All I'll look at, is it unconditional and is yeah. it succinct? Is there like a whole storyline in there? You'll know if it's right, not me, but. You know. That's true, that's true. Okay, so we've got a couple of minutes here and I'm gonna ask you a question that I ask everyone. Last question mm -hmm. of, the, of the interview. And that's um, knowing where you are now in your life and your career, what advice would you give to yourself as let's say a professional just kind of starting out in the world? So mm. knowing where you are now, what advice would you give to your younger self? A couple of things. One, it doesn't mean anything. Whatever you think it means, it doesn't mean that. That's a meaning that you gave it. And you can give it another meaning. And because you are so limited in what you know versus what you're capable of knowing versus what's knowable, that is that meaning right or wrong is an erroneous question. The question is, is that meaning useful? or not useful? Is that constructive or destructive? Number two, if you try to get approval, it is dishonest and, and never put yourself in a situation where you are trying to gain the approval of people to whom you matter the least and in doing so, rob the contribution from people who need it the most. You know, that is one of the biggest mistakes I made is surrounding myself with teams all the time and trying to build a surrogate family that I thought I never had. And while some of those people, it's just, you know, you meet some people and it is there. Again, it's none of your business. It's none of your business who gets this, who gets you, you know, it's not my business who gets me. All you can do is show up 
and put forth the work. And I don't mean the effort, and I mean put forth your thing with an open mind, open heart, open will. And what will occur will occur. It's out of your hands at that point. So first is it means nothing. Number two, don't seek approval. That is a losing game. In seeking approval, you actually wind up losing approval from everyone. But what you wind up losing that's even bigger is that true contribution with people who resonate with you, who need you, the authentic you. You know, there's no one like you who's ever been born. There's no one like you who's coming after you. This is it. Either you bring this from in here to out there in the world, or the world's never going to have it. Don't waste time with frivolous, meaningless things like approval. There's no time. Beautiful advice. And, and something that I know I certainly have struggled with in the past. And like I said earlier, I mean, we're only human, right? So that's there. But I love your take on it of, of don't be wishing for this approval from all these people who could give two shits about you when the people who matter the most are the people that you don't have to be seeking their approval from 24 seven because you're, you're there, you know, they know you, they appreciate you, they see you. You don't have to be so desperate for all of that approval and attention from the people who know you because that you have it. Yeah. There's one more thing I want to, I would, I would yeah. tell myself and I would tell everyone and you know, uh, my friend Ryan always says, hashtag, there's nothing wrong with you. And I love that. And I use that because there's nothing wrong with you. I mean, people talk about authenticity. Well, the first rule of authenticity is be authentic about your inauthenticity. You said it, Karen. We're all human. You know, we're all dysfunctional. We're all imperfect. Rather than fight it or be ashamed of it or apologize for it, embrace it because it's some of the most imperfect, dysfunctional people that have the most monumental weaknesses that also exhibit very unique strengths. And, you know, I mean, if your weaknesses are, you know, it's, they hurt people around you, yeah, get that shit sorted. That's not cool. But, if your weaknesses are just, you're so dysfunctional, you might be a mess in this area and you spend your whole life trying to work on where you're weak and pull yourself up and drag yourself kicking and screaming, where are you going to wind up eventually? Because your weaknesses, like your strengths, they're a result of what has happened to you, but they're also innate within you. You're going to drag yourself to average and that's where you're going to stop. Let it go. Way better is to take your unique talents and strengths and potentialities that ensue from that and develop those. And I believe the only way you can really develop that is not by using them, but also contributing them to where other people benefit as well. It's that interaction. It's that, it's that interpersonal dynamic and energetic exchange where our talents are really forged and accelerated, you're not going to wind up as average. You're going to be on the far side of extraordinary because everyone has that area. So you, know, you can focus and apologize on your weaknesses and hate yourself for them. You say, fuck them. That's just me. And just focus on your strengths. 
because that's where contribution lies. And, and, and when you contribute enough, it's not what you get in the end or, or what you're given. It's who you become in the process and the payoff is built into that process because you get to play in an arena which you were engineered for. That's joy. You know, maybe it's not about what we get. Maybe it's about, wow, how do I give a little joy and experience joy, you know, in the very short time we're here? Yeah, and I, I also think that when you can, when you realize what your strengths are, it's your responsibility to share those strengths with other people because mm -hmm. they might not be their strengths, but they may be able to pick up from you and build themselves up as a result. And so it's your responsibility to share what your strengths are because otherwise it, you can look at it as you're being kind of selfish and not, not maybe presenting and, 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 and helping others the way that maybe you can. And maybe selfish is the wrong word, but it's, it's it, kind it applies of to some people. Some people are very selfish, right? And, you know, there's two types of selfish people. One who doesn't acknowledge it and they go on being selfish. The other type of person who acknowledges it and then can take steps to be not selfish. But I think more often than not, it's not selfishness. It's someone who's self-centered. Mm -hmm. yeah. they're, very, they're very different. And that, that's not a bad person I'm talking about. You know, there's a lot of reasons why you're self-centered. Um, fear can make you self-centered. You know, pain, suffering in your past can make you self-centered because self-centered could be self-protecting. Mm -hmm. But I, I think with the word responsibility, again, well, I'm all about semantics. What does that word mean? It seems like this big burden. Responsibility is not burdensome. Mm -mm. It's liberating. Yeah, totally. You know, yeah, 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 for sure. You, you had asked me, I think it was on a text, like talking about, well, what are some takeaways for people with trauma? I know we didn't really talk a lot about trauma, which is cool. But, you know, w one of the ways I think to deal with trauma, and I'm not saying this as an expert. I'm saying it as someone who has been through a lot of it and deeply immersed in it. It's understanding what the meaning of responsibility is. And it's not fault. It's not blame. It's not a burden. You know, nothing that happens. You know, people go, oh, well, everything that happens is your fault. That's one school of self-help. The other school is nothing that happens to you is your fault. I think both, both of those are ridiculous. It's somewhere in the middle. But a lot of times when, when we're victims, even though we like should all over ourselves about it, like, oh, I shouldn't have been in that situation. I should have known better. No, very empathetic and smart, intelligent people who trust themselves, they become victimized because they're very good at rationalizing why they're in that situation. So probably it was not your fault at all, not even a little bit, but it's all our responsibility. You know, so me being, you know, abused, whether it's physically or sexually, and I was like, not my fault, but it's my responsibility because now as an adult, how do I reconcile that? You know, how do I accept the pieces that are damaged that may not heal? And, and where, where can I heal? And what's my process to take something that might have been out of my control, might not have been my fault, and utilize it in a way that's constructive for a meaning that, that is personally significant, that I choose. I think when you accept responsibility, you, you liberate yourself. You know, it, it, it's a breakthrough because it's also a break with 
it, it, responsibility looks forward rather than back. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a great way to think about responsibility. And I also think it's a great way to end our conversation here. But before we do that, where can people find more information about you? Oh, okay. Well, I'm on um, www.robertcappuccio.com. That's two C's and two P's. It's kind of like cappuccino without an N. Dot com. Um, I'm on Facebook. I hate saying this, but I, I get a lot of friend requests every day that I cannot get back to them because I'm usually at my limit. So don't friend request me. Go to my page and follow me. I don't say that a lot and I get all these requests. I, I'm like, oh God, I'm so rude. God. And um, I'm on Instagram and I'm on um, LinkedIn. I'm not great at social media, but I do post. No, you're very good at social media. Really? Yeah, well, I try to share a lot, but it's like, I, you know, anyway. So, but yeah, I'm always putting my thoughts out there. Um, sometimes they're helpful. Sometimes they're just weird, but you know, <laughs> go with helpful, the flow. Helpful weird thoughts are always good in my book. And, and if you want more of, of, yeah, of the things that uh, Bobby talked about today, then definitely follow him on Instagram and follow him on Facebook because he makes some really beautiful short videos that I think are well worth the watch. So, um, Bobby, thank you so much. Next time you're in thank New York, you. we will go for a pint and play some trivia not, again. Not on trivia night. <laughs> no we'll, way am I going. We'll do it again. Trip. Next time, um, where you're in California, right? Well, um, I'm, in, I'm in California. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So next time I come out to California, which might be in March, by the way, um, cool. I, will, I will let you know. Cool. Looking forward right. to seeing you. Awesome. And everybody, thanks so much for listening. I know that everyone got a lot out of this conversation, lots to think about. And I look forward to seeing everyone's originating intentions soon. So maybe we'll start a thread and try and get people's originating intentions. So Bobby, thanks so much for taking the time out. Yes. And everybody, thanks so much for listening. Have a great day and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. A huge thanks to Bobby Capuccio for taking the time out and being on the podcast. And also a big thank you to our sponsor, NetHealth. So NetHealth are the makers of Redoc powered by XFIT, where you can expand your visit capabilities, get paid for your services, ramp up your patient engagement, and eliminate worries about documentation and compliance. So basically, if you're a physical therapist, Redoc powered by XFIT makes your life a heck of a lot easier. So to find out more about Redoc and complete revenue cycle management services, check them out at nethealth.com slash healthy. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.